Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, an early exit in the Carabao Cup. We look ahead to the final game before the World Cup break, round up the rest of the Chelsea news and do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Here we are again then, listener. Chelsea supporters the world over waking up thinking, after all, you're my Lewis Hall. We'll talk about him. And his magnificent second Chelsea appearance, albeit in defeat as we get going here. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by The Athletic's Dominic Fifield. Morning, Dom. Good morning, Matthew. How are your teeth? Uh, they're about to get even worse. Yeah, I'm off for a root canal when we finish this, listener. Is that going to be more painful than the quiz? Um, stick around to find <laughs> out. <laughs> Sam Park is back with his two 100 goals in the EFL, graduate of the Chelsea Academy. Probably wasn't an academy then, was it? Just a no. What would you call it? I don't know. I don't know. A youth team, basically. Yeah, that that was it. Right. I don't know if I can concentrate, give you anything, Matt, with the impending quiz. To be honest, <laughs> I think that's, that's taken over everyone's thoughts. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about it at all. <laughs> I've got to say, it was the talk of the press room at the Etihad at halftime on Wednesday. Simon was um, bigging himself up, saying that he always gets it when he's not actually on the pod. Um, Football.London's Adam Newson said that he gets every question right every week, pretty much. So I gave them one of the questions from today's quiz, and nobody could get it. So a little teaser there for you. I've tried to make it as difficult Ugh. as possible. You're just getting people shouting Jakob Kilberg at you when you've <laughs> yeah. got your ladle in hand. <laughs> And I like it that way. Um, we're not going to talk about Jakob Kjellberg today. We are going to talk about Manchester City versus Chelsea. That's our first port of call. Lovely ball to Mahrez. Lovely control from Mahrez. And almost a finish from Mahrez, but tucked away by Alvarez. City taking the game away from Chelsea in the second half. Obviously, disappointing result. Obviously, losing the game, being knocked out of the competition so early, but... I think personally, it's it's what you dream of as a kid playing in, in the biggest games, and I think playing against a top team like City and at the Etihad is something that you dream of. So really happy. Yeah. So the Blues out in the third round stage for the first time in a long time, then, but still cause for optimism. I feel like Sam. I spoke to Graham Potter afterwards. He said it was a, a not a better result, but a much better performance. It certainly felt like a marked improvement on the Arsenal game. Yeah, definite improvement on that. Number of chances, you know, wasteful in front of goal. Pulisic had that brilliant chance. Obviously, Lewis Hall had a couple of great opportunities and there were some hairy moments because you know City are going to get after you when you're trying to play out and also they move it beautifully and intricately in the, in the final third. And they started really fast. I thought it took Chelsea 10 minutes until that brilliant Lewis Hall run actually to, to settle. And I felt we hadn't seen Kovacic at all. Normally, when he's in the side, Chelsea can at least have periods of, of really good possession. And we didn't see that. We didn't see the two midfield players for about a quarter of an hour, which I thought was telling how well City had started. But yeah, across the, 
the piece. Definite optimism. Defending is a concern. And obviously the wastefulness in front of goal is not great right now, but that's been a feature coming back to probably pre-Thomas Tuchel. So, yeah, not the worst performance, but a shame to be out, but obviously some hugely, hugely good individual displays. Sam mentions the, the two ends of the pitch there, Dom, uh, defensive concerns and, and not being able to, to put the ball in the net. Which of those do you think is going to be easier for Graham Potter to solve? If the personnel are fit, then probably the defensive aspects. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that on the basis that his, his time at Brighton, that, that was a regular criticism of his team there, that they, they created a load of chances and didn't score as many goals and maybe until the latter stages of his, of his tenure. But I, I don't know, I, whenever you have a, a managerial change at different clubs to Chelsea, but you know, when, when a club is struggling, say for example, against, against relegation and a new manager comes in, they always make it their principal aim to shore things up at the back and go back to basics in that respect. And I, I think you can set up a team not to concede probably easier than setting up a team to, to unlock opponents um, that that sort of requires particularly with a, a manager like Potter it probably requires a bit more time to get his ideas across and and uh, you know the the methods that he he wants and the, how he wants his players to play we are seeing glimpses of it we shouldn't we shouldn't get too downbeat there there, there are i mean we're going to talk about young mr hall i'm sure in in the podcast and and, and but the, the very fact that chelsea's best attacking moments came from effectively the left wing back I think that is a sign that an indication of one aspect of Potter ball that is working he wants his his fullbacks his wing backs to to be attacking outlets um, but it's going to take time and I'm, I'm intrigued to see whether he whether he's allowed it because this is the this is the first blip of the real blip of the uh, Bowley Clear Lake ownership and it's the first opportunity the previous regime would have had to look at change so are they now going to to stick with what they've been telling us that, that they will they're there for the long term they're, they're quite happy for the philosophies to take a while to, to bed in and, and and they have faith in it all or is there going to be change what do you think sam it'd be mad to change it now wouldn't it because i mean a they they paid a lot of money to get graham potter out of brighton but also, it would it not reflect really badly on the ownership if they were on to their third manager of the season less than, what, six months after taking over? It's not something I've even contemplated, to be honest. There's a lot of chatter about it, though, isn't it? But I'm with you. I think it just sounds really far-fetched. Well, I think like it's never going to happen. I think need to get through the next game and then he'll have an opportunity to reflect. To I think the most important thing is that it looks at the moment that some of the players aren't probably convinced or, or or necessarily want to be at the club. He has to have a few windows, does he not, to move a few players on. And then the recruitment model at Brighton, yes, it's a different kettle of fish now being at Chelsea, but we've seen how well his team have worked in bringing players in. So surely we have to see that and then judge him after a couple of windows. I mean, this year is going to be difficult and it's a new... It's a new ownership model. And we've seen that this has been a different approach with the younger players that have been signed and they're putting together a team behind the scenes. And football in the modern world is is more than what the manager and his coaching team do on the training pitch and more than what the players go out and, and show on the pitch. So let's see the whole operation, have a couple of transfer windows, have a little bit of time. But I think... I think this is an important period during the World Cup to speak to some of the players that remain and also reflect on the first few games and think about the style and the formation and moving forward. And hopefully, for, for everyone's sake, there's an improvement after the World Cup. Otherwise, there will be question marks. But I think this is far too early, far too early. They made a, made a decision. They've got to stick with it. I should stress, I wasn't suggesting that they should make a change. I mean, it's... Uh, but it's hardwired because it's Chelsea. That's, right? that's so the that, problem. That's why we and, say and, and I think, I mean, look, you can see some of the things that Simon and, and Liam have written this week. I think, obviously, when you've gone through what the Abramovich era, where, you, where every blip pretty much sealed the fate of a head coach, uh, some of them were prolonged, some of them sort of staggered on to the end of the season as dead men walking, but pretty much every every time there was a downturn, there was a change. I think 
there's a generation of supporters inevitably uh, have been brought up along those lines. So they expect that to happen again. And, and we're now seeing a blip develop at Chelsea. So there will be disquiet. There will be people who are unconvinced um, that, that the right appointment has been made. And it is a matter of, as Sam says, pushing through all this and and having faith. If I mean, if, if if you've gone all out to bring in Graham Potter and you believe in what he does long term, then you have to give him the chance to instigate those long term plans and to actually realise his vision. And it wasn't a quick process, as we, as we said at, at Brighton. I mean, the first couple of seasons were struggling at Brighton, and then and then it all took off when when he had a, a, a squad. Moreover, that that was far more what he wanted. I mean, he her- inherited a team that was Chris Hutton's team at Brighton. He's inherited Thomas Tuchel's team here at Chelsea. Actually, he hasn't inherited Thomas Tuchel's team. He's inherited Tuchel's, Lampard's, Sari's, and Conte's team, pretty much. So, so it's going to take a while. He talked last Friday in the build-up to the Arsenal game about needing clever recruitment and time to get their ideas across. And I couldn't agree with him more. But You've got to now stick with that. You've got to agree that that is the way to do it. And the, the hierarchy have to... I'm not saying that they're, they're not. I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, they, were, they were there last night at the Etihad, weren't they? They were watching from the sidelines. They would have the same promise that we have. But they, they have to retain faith and keep going. If they, if they believed when they appointed him, they have to still believe now. Dom, I appreciate it's not a straightforward answer, but you're probably better placed to answer it than, than I am. The first thing I said about... Some players probably not seeing their futures at, at Stamford Bridge. Inevitably, Graham Potter would have sp- sat down with everyone. I would, I would have thought, and seen exactly what the landscape is, and you know how they're playing, and, and what he wants to see from them. Do you think people like Ziyech, Pulisic, uh, potentially a few others, actually see their futures away from Stamford Bridge and, and want to search for a move probably in the next window? Is that too simplistic? I mate, I mean, you're 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 better place to tell me how a player feels, but yeah. I I would have thought that the reality that they've had so little game time, so few starts, and not just under Potter, but under the previous management as well, would suggest that yeah, that they they probably are surplus to requirements and probably would be frustrated and probably would want to move on. I mean, I'm sure Christian Pulisic would have loved to have been playing far more regularly in the build up to a World Cup than he has been. Hakim Ziyech is well. He's, I mean, he's he hasn't had any chance to get into any rhythm. I don't think he sees the opportunities he's had by any stretch of the imagination. But there are a lot of players like that at that club, and we've only just seen Zakaria come into the team. It just feels a bit of a a mishmash. But it, you know, it it was a bit like that at, at Brighton. There were people that were steeped in how the previous management wanted the team play, and they they didn't fit in. But they. You know, Potter didn't just bomb them all out, or you know, in one go. He he used them because he had to use them. He had to be pragmatic as well, and then f- sort of phase them out over time. And I suspect that's what he wants to do at Chelsea. It may be slightly easier at Chelsea. They'll have more resources to in the market. They can go in and spend money in the in in January or the summer and and make more radical changes than he was allowed to do at Brighton. But but it is still a process and that process is as much about you know getting rid of some of the deadwood and shedding players as it is bringing new players in yeah it might be a useful shop window as well um over the next 6 weeks or whatever it is for the likes of Hakim Ziyech and Christian Pulisic in particular have a couple of good games and then add that world cup premium onto their price and see if you can move them on in january uh lewis hall sam is he going to be moving on on loan in january potentially after this that, that maybe feels like the next step or is he is he a first team squad member now considering he was withdrawn after 75 minutes i did see him look like he might have been struggling over on the far side um just prior to him getting withdrawn so maybe he just felt something but maybe that's with a view to the weekend don't know what you guys think but he was Chelsea's best player, 75 minutes, your number goes up when he was still performing admirably in the second half. Why not? Why not play him at the weekend? Um, they're low in numbers, aren't they, in options on that side of the pitch. I thought he was brilliant. And I text John Harley in the first first half because it reminded me of when John first got in Chelsea's first team. Obviously, same position, similar role, and just that, just that freedom, you know, that confidence. It was, it was funny. It just took me back a little bit. I, th- I thought it was brilliant. And 
I think since he had his, was it against Chesterfield, his, his debut? It was, yeah. You know, in the PL2 games, I know it's difficult to stand out sometimes in those games because they're a little bit flat, but I don't think his performances towards the tail end of last season were brilliant. But you never know until they get thrown in. Different scenarios, I know, but Conor Gallagher I wasn't sure about. And then he went to Charlton. He was unbelievable when he started playing subsequently Palace and into Chelsea's first team. So you never know how they're going to uh, produce when they get into the first team. But I loved his decision-making. So easy to just take a touch and pop it sideways or pop it back. To have the confidence to go beyond players, to hit that crossfield ball. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And we don't see that enough from the wing-backs. We haven't seen that enough from the wing-backs, that positivity. So I love the driving runs. I thought he was I thought he was excellent. I thought he's got a great shot of playing at the weekend, maybe. Yeah, interesting um, sort of contrast, Dom, in, in the approach taken by Graham Potter and, and Thomas Tuchel. I asked Potter about Lewis Hall and, and whether he'd be sort of monitoring his attitude when he went back down to the academy. And he said, oh, no, he's training with us. He's been training with us. He's doing well. Whereas after the Chesterfield game, Tuchel was, was very much kind of, yeah, he did all right, but it was against Chesterfield. It feels like that's the kind of softer touch that we were expecting from Potter in, in handling these kind of players. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Um and there probably does need to be some kind of uh, context provided for this fixture as well. And, you know, City probably had five first-team regulars in the team, six reserves. I mean, they're still plenty good reserves. They get into most Premier League teams. But even so, it, it, was, it wasn't quite... I mean, if he played at St James's Park at the weekend and he was up against Almiron, who who can't stop scoring at the moment or Sam Maximan on, on that side if, ne- if need be, it would be a very different test. However, I agree with Sam, they don't have the options. I mean, if they, if if the lack of centre-halves means you've got to play Mark Cucurello as a centre-half, then Hall has to be now a possibility playing left wing-back. I mean, he simply has to be. And, and the fact that he can get up and down that flank. I mean, I'd rather, in some ways, I'd rather have him playing there than, than Raheem Sterling, weirdly, um, with all his experience, because at least Sterling could then go and operate in a position that he's more familiar with up further up the pitch and hopefully provide a bit of cutting edge up there. But Hall's energy and, and yeah, and I was surprised by his physique as well. I think he's not, he's not, a, he's no shrinking violet, is he? He'll, he'll he, he, he puts it about a bit as well. He had those two chances, great save, particularly the second one in the second half. But and he'll be cursing himself that the first the first half chance was was missed. The shot maybe wasn't quite as accurate as he wanted it to be. But but a great performance and and very encouraging. And and another Chelsea youth team player breaking into the first team setup and looking as if he belongs. And you know if if, if there is a a lingering regret from last night other than the elimination it's that, that, that we didn't see Hutchinson either Yes that was going to be my next point um, Chelsea made a quadruple substitution in one go but Amari Hutchinson as Simon had been reporting been told not to go on Jamaica duty with this game in mind and then he didn't get on um, which was a shame Speaking of Simon I totally forgot that he left us a voice note. So we better hear that now because he worked very hard on it. This was uh, just after the whistle had peeped for the final time at the Etihad Stadium. Okay. I'm going to disappoint Matt. I'm going to disappoint all the listeners straight out of Cobham. No, I'm not going to be all doom and gloom and morose. Well, by my standards, anyway. Yeah, Hey Jude is uh, playing for Man City as they celebrate. An inevitable 2-0 victory. How many of you really thought Chelsea would win this game? I would be amazed if uh, it polled more than uh, 10%. But let's focus on some of the positives for a change because it's all been negative lately, hasn't it? And like I said, it was inevitable that uh, I think we all thought that City would win this game. But this was far better from Chelsea compared to the dismal showing against Arsenal. Yes, City were a weakened side and their bench was frightening. We see De Bruyne, Haaland, Foden putting their feet up. But uh, Chelsea were better, much better than Sunday. Um, And again, it's a case of taking their chances. Missed quite a few chances. There's quite a lot that Ortega, the Man City goalkeeper, was named man of the match, even though City uh, won 2-0. But Chelsea should have finished some of those chances a lot better. But the real positive I want to talk about 
is Lewis Hall, the 18-year-old. Regular listeners will know that I argued that he should have faced Dynamo Zagreb last week. Look how that turned out, Ben Chilwell. But uh, he showed here at the Etihad that he is ready for the big stage. It was a very impressive performance. Man City actually targeted Chelsea's right flank more than Chelsea's left flank, which uh, is some compliment to him as an 18-year-old. And of course, he had two chances to score his first Chelsea goal, or take it denied in both times. The first chance, I just love the way he cut inside rather than shooting first time. OK, the right foot shot was not quite what you'd hoped for, but um, Ortega saved it. But still, I, I just love the composure on the show there. And then, of course, uh, he had another shot in the second half that Ortega took out a step away. Chelsea fans applauded him when he came off. They liked what they saw. And when you sort of think that Chilwell might not be back for the Premier League restart after the World Cup, I think Hall is... is Sort of shown that perhaps he's someone that Potter should trust a bit more, um, that he, he should be an option, certainly a backup option on that uh, left wing back position. Uh, but yeah, Chelsea players just walking off, obviously dejected. It is another defeat, and they're out. That's one of the cup competitions they can't win. But um, I think we all expected this from the get go, and at least. It wasn't as bad as Sunday. That's uh, as upbeat as I can get. Which for me, uh, I'll take that. On to Newcastle, where hopefully they uh, they really do need to get back to winning ways, but at least a point there. Otherwise, it really will be doomed for them going into the World Cup. Five minutes into that, he still hadn't listed a positive. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Joy Division featuring Simon Johnson <laughs> with Love Will Tear Us Apart slash Losing at Man City in the Carabao Cup. Um, but I'm going to pick out one more positive from this, Don, before we move on from this game. It's handy for Graham Potter that he doesn't have to think about a fourth round game two days after the World Cup final or whatever it is, isn't it? That, that's a little bit more breathing space. That You get the impression there will be certain managers and maybe an Italian in North London, one of them, who aren't that devastated to have gone out of the Carabao Cup given how the next round is scheduled. Is that the London club's excuse this year then that we didn't want to get <laughs> involved in anything just after the World Cup final? So only Charlton left of, out of London clubs, isn't there? Out of, they all went out last night. Um, well, yes, I and mean, Potter spoke a bit about that in the build-up, didn't he? That he, he admitted that the it, that there will be disruption if players compete into the latter stages of the of the tournament in Qatar. Um, he doesn't want to, you know, will them home. He doesn't want to hope that their that their respective teams have disastrous tournaments and come home after two weeks because um, I think then you have to contend with a different kind of disappointment and, it, and the emotional fallout of of uh, the anti-climax of it all but but yeah it's it's a benefit that when he, when they do get back that there will be a, a little period of time where he can readjust and, and work out what frame of mind the, the guys are in and who's ready to, to attack that game against Bournemouth. It's on the 27th now, isn't it, in the Premier League? Absolutely right. Uh, whilst we're talking about London teams getting knocked out, producer Lucy pointing out that Billy Gilmore was the star performer for Brighton against Arsenal. He assisted a Tarek Lamptey goal and saw a lot of Brighton fans bigging up the performance of Levi Colwell. Difficult for him to get in the Brighton team, but apparently he played well. On Wednesday night, we'll wait and see if he's back at Chelsea next term. And while the Blues play their final game for more than six weeks on Saturday, we'll look ahead to the trip to Newcastle next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
So Newcastle United versus Chelsea, the tea time kickoff in the Premier League on Saturday. Chelsea starting the weekend seventh, six points behind the third place Magpies, albeit with a game in hand. Uh, Dom, it's going to be a difficult game to approach for Graham Potter this, isn't it? Because Newcastle in such phenomenal form, particularly at home, you can expect the kind of early onslaught that, that we saw from City on Wednesday night. Yeah, they are playing with a load of confidence. Um, their, their recent run has been pretty remarkable. I think they've scored four goals in, at least four goals in the four of their last seven Premier League fixtures, home and away, which is pretty phenomenal for, for them. First time they've done that in, in some while. And there is confidence and momentum about that club at the moment. And it's, I mean, the contrast to Chelsea's last visit there when, uh, you know, everything was still pretty poisonous um, at Newcastle and, and, and they were struggling badly at the wrong end of the table um, and, and were, you know, overcome pretty easily with a Reese James inspired performance. I think, I think the contrast will be marked this, this time around, but it's about withstanding that it's about, it's about standing up. It's about not ducking at walls. It's about, it's about making sure you, you, you strong arm and you, and you, and you, and you, and you can cope with the onslaught and then hope that you can impose some of the quality you have got at the other end of the pitch. Um, it's been a while since Newcastle beat Chelsea. And they've got to hope that, that some of these Newcastle players have a bit of a hangover there, a bit of, an, a, bit of a blind spot when it comes to Chelsea. Um, but as you say, it's a, at the moment it feels like a very daunting prospect. Yeah, that game in October last year, uh, the Saudis had just taken over. Graham Jones was in charge of Newcastle. The pre-sanctioned Chelsea went top of the league after a 3-0 win, inspired by Thomas Tuchel, featuring a brace from Rhys James. I mean, a year's a long time in football, but in Chelsea land, it's a really, really long time. Um, Sam Howard, Thiago Silva, Mateo Kovacic, Raheem Sterling et al. going to be feeling going into this one. You've got to go 100%, haven't you? But there's there's going to be nerves from players who've made World Cup squads and, and kind of it all hinges on this game as to, to whether they get through it or not. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting dynamic at training grounds up and down the country, I would say, for the next 24, 48 hours. Players uh, looking in the treatment room, seeing who's maybe uh, having an extra massage, who's maybe touch and go for the weekend because mentally they won't have experienced anything like this. You think of Thiago Silva. I mean, how old is he? I mean, it's his last, it's his last, it's his last it. World yeah. Cup with, I'm taking it as, yeah. So that would <laughs> be fascinating that, but... to see. I mean, he, <laughs> on the face of it, he's got a play, hasn't he? At Newcastle, you know, thinking back to what Don said a few answers ago about the options, Kukurea playing on the left. He could play Koulibaly there, I suppose, couldn't he? And Kukurea could play left wing back, but you would imagine Thiago Silva, having not played last night, will, will be in the side. So that is going to be fascinating. And as Dom rightly says, they start really fast. Newcastle, you know, especially at home, I think just Arsenal got a better first half record than them. And I've seen them a few times race into Leeds. Um, they can't always maintain it. But um, that's why I think, you know, staying resolute, staying solid and staying in the game at St. James's Park could play into Chelsea's hands because... They'll still have, I would say, the line share of possession. They're still more dangerous counter-attack in Newcastle. So, um, yeah, important that that defensive foundation's there and Thiago Silva's out there. But, yeah, I mean, I've never been in this type of situation. So going to be fascinating who's available and how the players actually approach it. And everyone, hopefully everyone will come through. And, you know, subsequent World Cup, you know, we touched on that earlier as well. I just think this is like it's so unfounded this it's never been done before the players will just have to play the world cup final and come back and click their fingers and get back into club mode there's not going to be two weeks on the jet skis in the south of france like you used to see the world cup french winners didn't you Desai and deschamps out on the uh cote de jour there's not going to be any of that is there it's just going to be well done lift the trophy have a semi-night out and then back into action and and enjoy it probably next summer so i think the players are just going to have to accept that that's the the nature of the beast given this tournament's in the middle of the winter. Yeah, interesting from a Newcastle perspective as well. Not a huge amount of their players will be going. Um, Dom, if you were to to make a prediction now, who's more likely to finish in the top four, Chelsea or Newcastle? Uh, I'd have to get at least a point here, Chelsea. 
Yeah, with such a long break. Nine yeah. points, yeah. Wouldn't it? Is it nine points the gap would be if Newcastle were to win? Yeah, they do have a game in hand. Though. I think it's more. It's uh, the gap. I think is is bridgeable, but it's more the the sight of of Chelsea losing three league games in a row going into such a long break and the sort of the hangover that that will maintain through that and anchor moods, you know, for the next six weeks until the next game. I think that that's even a point at Newcastle would would just provide a bit of stability and just that's 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 a good result at the moment. I mean that would be a point to celebrate. It wouldn't have been last season. It wouldn't have been on most of Chelsea's recent visits there. But at the moment, in the context of what's happening at the two clubs, uh, and given Newcastle's momentum, you you take a point. The other thing that we, we have to remember is that, okay, this is a mid-season, it feels like a mid-season break to go to the World Cup, but but it isn't. Chelsea would have played 14 league games going into the World Cup. That's 24 games still to play when they get back. There's more than enough time to bridge a nine-point, ten-point gap, particularly when you're up against a... A side that isn't used to really competing for what Newcastle are suddenly competing for. So there may be that you can generate that momentum afterwards. But to do that, you need a platform to go off. And I think a, a, a point at, or better at Newcastle would provide that Chelsea with a, a bit of a fillip at going into into the hiatus. And then they can attack the second, no, second two-thirds. How does that work? The, the last two-thirds of the season when they get back. I love the words Philip and hiatus, but you didn't actually give me an answer then. Who's who's more likely oh, to finish bollocks. in the top four? Um, <laughs> well, at the moment, you'd say Newcastle, but I I still think I'm, I'm, I'm not one for change, so probably Chelsea. All right. Uh, Sam, it's quite nice to see two English managers in charge of these two clubs, isn't it? Two kind of hotly tipped up and coming, is it, but it's not something that, that happens in games between top four contenders very often. It is good as well, yeah. I... I had a brief spell with Eddie Howe as a as a player as well. So, and I know his backroom staff really well. Stephen Purchase is a former uh, teammate of mine, so I'm in touch with him from time to time. And I love the Eddie Howe story. Really, you know, I played against that team that was in the bottom tier, Bournemouth. I think they had a 10, 15 point deduction or something. I played in the deduction derby. I was at Luton at the time, so. That was Eddie's first kind of task, wasn't it? Keeping them up that season. Jason Tindall played against him. Fascinating and and absolutely delighted for them. And yeah, Graham Potter the same. I would have played against Graham when he was a he was a player. He was a centre half. So it just shows you, you know, they have to put a lot in. I think there's a lot of learning, obviously in in Graham Potter's case, um, a very varied career. But if you if you put the the yards in, I think that experience they had as players obviously helped but clearly two very bright guys um and have really really given everything to to becoming managers so yeah I think I think there'd be a huge mutual respect you could see that from Graham Potter last night when he was asked about Eddie Howe and the Newcastle game so um two very good tactical managers going at it and um yeah probably a potential England manager in one of the dugouts you would you would say on Saturday. Yeah, fascinating matchup. Whatever happens, we'll report on it in our Monday pod, which is our final one before our own mid-season break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
Elsewhere in Chelsea news, no game for the women's team this weekend. They're on international break. Plenty of the squad will be in action for their countries as a raft of international friendlies taking place this weekend. Uh, in terms of the academy sides, the dev squad enjoyed a 3-0 win against Spurs, thanks to goals from Jude Soonsup, Bell, Charlie Webster and Malik Mothersill. Sam, you commentated on this one. Who, who stood out for you? Oh, good question. Um, oh, it was a really good display, actually. It was a really good game. They started the better, actually. Tottenham had Alfie Devine. If you remember, he's their, their youngest ever goal scorer, I think, who caused Chelsea one or two problems in, in the first half. I like Dylan Williams, actually, on Monday. Him and Zach Sturge. Zach Sturge played as the left-sided centre-half. Dylan Williams was the left wing-back. They were very good, kind of in tandem. Uh, Williams put a lot of good deliveries in. Ben Elliott in the first half, someone we've probably not spoken about before. Technical midfield player. He was the best player for, for 45 minutes. And then the kind of front players took over in the, in the second half. Soon up, Bell scored a, I think it's his first goal of the, the PL2 season. It was a brilliant finish, if people haven't seen it. And Cassaday made a brilliant third for, for Mothersill. So if anyone hasn't seen that assist... That's worth going back and seeing. He played as kind of a dual number 10 with Leo Castledine. Amazing touch, control, vision to, to play it through for Mothersill to add the third. And Mothersill's a player I'm champion. I absolutely love him every time I see him. And um, he's not someone I've spoken to the staff about at Chelsea too often, but he can play a, a, a variety of different positions. He's technically sound, but he also gives you a threat running behind because he's... He, he's physical and he's quick and he can finish as well. And he impacts game off the bench, which I always love. Doesn't seem to be someone who's frustrated by being left out, comes on, has immediate effects on games and invariably gets assists or goals. So really good performance and, and always good to beat Spurs who um, are in the, the doldrums a little bit. They haven't won this season. So it was a comfortable win. It was a resounding 3-0. Yeah, looking good. Mark Robinson's team up to fourth. That was their final PL2 game until January as the league takes a break for the World Cup for some reason. Uh, there's no game for the under-18s this weekend. Their next match is on the 19th of November when they go to Spurs. A couple of other bits of business that have been confirmed since last we spoke. Reese James isn't going to the World Cup. Um, it was interesting, Dom. I thought that the statement that he put out where he basically said, look, I've done everything, it was, it was almost expressing his disappointment that Gareth Southgate hasn't selected him. But given the nature of the injury, it was it was always extremely unlikely, right? He, he must have been prepared for the fact that it was likely to be a no. I'm sure he was. I mean, when, when you're told that you're going to most likely be in a knee brace for, for four weeks and, and that the deadlines were so tight, it was it was such a tight window um, of of opportunity that it was there was an, an inevitability about it. And it would have been... The decision would have been taken with a really heavy heart from from Southgate because because James would have been in the, in the first choice England team probably. Yeah, I know he likes Kieran Trippier, but but I think James, particularly with the, the the injury doubts that surround Carl Walker at the moment, James would have been in that in that side, whether playing at right wing back or on the right of the the back three. Um, and it and it has left, you know, England's wing back and full back options feeling slightly flimsy. It looks as if you know with Bencher well out on the other side as well. It, it, it probably means that, you know, that Kieran Trippier will have to be the sort of backup to Luke Shaw on the left if need be. Um, Trippier will start first choice on the right um, if if there are no issues on the other side. And it's it's sort of a headache that Southgate probably didn't need given given there are other issues in that team that uh, should really have been drawing his attention ahead of the tournament. Well, let's hope that Reese is ready when the Premier League resumes and Chelsea get back underway against Bournemouth on the 27th. Uh, in the Champions League, Sam, the draw happened shortly after we finished the Monday pod. Chelsea facing Borussia Dortmund. First leg away on the 15th of Feb. The returns at the bridge on the 7th of March. That sounds like a fun tie for me. It probably would have had more narrative had Thomas Tuchel still been the, the Chelsea manager. But it's a, a team that Chelsea haven't faced, to my memory, before. And I'm sure that'll be a great away day for anybody going. Yeah, brilliant stadium. Not enamoured with the city, I would hasten to add. I don't know if you've been, Dom. Um, Many times. I went a couple of years <laughs> ago. Stadium is brilliant fun. Yeah, it's it's a great, great stadium. Uh, so the fans will enjoy that. And yeah, in terms of the tie, really exciting uh, and, and good that there's a freshness to it. But um, may struggle for a vintage night out, the Chelsea fans, in my experience. <laughs> 
There you go. You have been. There's your uh, analysis, top level analysis. (laughs) Very good, too. Top level analysis, top level quizzing. We'll find out next. Helpful. (laughs) Okay, Chelsea versus Newcastle is the theme of this week's quiz, obviously. Listen to it. This is the fixture that's got the most rancor behind it. I think there's no, <laughs> no. doubt about that. There's a lot of shade gets chucked around on the group chat uh, whenever these two are going to meet. Uh, Sam's licking his wounds after being pasted by Dom the last time we met. So really interesting dynamic today. I've tried to make this quite a difficult quiz, I'll warn you. Uh, Sam, you're up first. According to Transfermarkt, who was the most recent player to join Chelsea from Newcastle? It's the thing that goes through your mind when you're heading into the quiz, isn't it? Who's played for both? Mm, yeah. I can, I'm not going to start naming people because it'll probably come up later. I'm just going to go straight in with Loic Remy. It's incorrect, I'm afraid. Can you pinch it, Dom? <laughs> um, no, I can't. The answer, according to Transfermarkt, was Denver Bar. Oh. Oh, oh, yeah, that's stupid. Damn. Remy yeah. might have gone to QPR, mightn't he, in between? You know what? Yeah. I'm just looking it up because you've spooked me. I'll be um, That'd be good, I'll wouldn't be it? That would be good. I'd like two points for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's only on loan at Newcastle, I'm afraid. Was he? So, no, he, he joined yeah. Chelsea from QPR. Yeah, phew, my integrity is intact. What about yours, Dom? Uh, oh. So, no points for Sam on the first one. Dom, according to Transfer Marks, who was the most recent player to join Newcastle from Chelsea on a permanent transfer? Um. Oh, it's... Oh, no. What's his name? Um, it's the little... Um, Oh God, toying with us, isn't he? He's got it. No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. It's. I can picture him. I'm sure it was a. But if I say, if I if I describe who it's going to be, then you will. Then you'll steal Sam. So I don't know whether I should describe who it should be. What was his name? He was a little tricky winger fella. Yeah, that's him. No, I can't remember. Can't remember. Sam, Sorry. can you steal it? Christian Atsu. Yeah, that's oh, the one. That's he's the one. Done it. This little tricky winner. Thanks, Dom. Winger. Well played. Oh, I shouldn't have done that little tricky winner sign. Shouldn't, shouldn't have, have mate. <laughs> Atsu Curry's favour with Sam. Uh, okay, oh, Sam. Here's your second question. Well, I was thinking of something sneeze-related. That was going to be my clue. What's the noise you make when you sneeze? Atsu. Uh, let's move on. Sam, here's your second question. Which recently retired player scored his penultimate Chelsea goal in a 2 2 draw at St James's Park in 2015? Well, we did this on the pod the other day, didn't we? There was two players that retired, yeah, from that era. I'm not giving you any clues. Well, we did. And you asked me a question <laughs> on him, and that answer is Ramirez. Oh, lovely. He's showboating now. Very All of good. a sudden, it's two to nothing. Uh, Dom, this is a big question <laughs> there for. Uh, I think you're going to like this one. Kennedy had two loan spells at Newcastle from Chelsea. Which club did he leave the Blues for to sign permanently the summer just passed? Kennedy. This is the type of transfer question that Dom gobbles up. Oh, I don't know about that, Sam. Um, <laughs> Roberto Kennedy Nunes de Nascimento. What was his name? Kennedy? <laughs> yeah. That was very Frank Skinner when he used to do Pele's name on fantasy football, man. <laughs> Who did Kennedy leave Chelsea for? I thought Simon was still um, planning to run the big piece about Kennedy. I thought he was still <laughs> on the books. Um uh, Valado lead. Oh, he was toying with us all along. <laughs> Not sure about the pronunciation, but uh, how, how do you pronounce it? I genuinely don't know. To be fair, Valladolid. Oh, I would say, on. yeah, close. Yeah. Uh, all right, so it is two one. So Sam, you can win if you get this question right, but I don't think you're gonna. 
Which goalkeeper made his Chelsea debut replacing the injured Froda Grodas 36 minutes into a 3-1 defeat at Newcastle in 1997? It was one of only three Chelsea appearances the keeper in question made. Well, I was at the club, so I should get it. Give me the question again, please, Matthew. Oh, crumbs. Which goalkeeper made his Chelsea debut replacing the injured Froda Grodas 36 minutes into a 3-1 defeat at Newcastle in 1997? It was one of only three Chelsea appearances the keeper in question made. Can't think of any other goalkeepers of that. Ed DeHoy was Frodo Grodas, Kevin Hitchcock, and one other who I played a lot of games with. So I'm going to have to go with him. Bloody nice guy, Nick Colgan. You can steal it if you like, Don. Oh, no uh, way! I, I've got a funny <laughs> feeling this has cropped up in a quiz before, um, and he's been an answer, but the yeah. question was not this question. Oh right, fine. Is it, it, he lost nine nil at Manchester United once with Ipswich, didn't he? Oh. Craig Forrest. It's Craig Forrest, yeah. yeah. No, I'd have never correct. got that. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't even remember him being uh, there. All right, so that means that it's 2 2. <laughs> We've got one question left. Oh, Lucy has been absolutely out. lapping up the tension. <laughs> she now realises she's going to write a tiebreaker. <laughs> just in case. Don't be so certain though Lucy because the final question is not an easy one get on transfer mark Lucy not Instagram (laughs) that's all I ask Christian Atsu Dom you will win if you get this right it's 2-2 Dennis Wise scored a penalty for Chelsea in a 2-2 FA Cup draw that the Blues would go on to win on penalties in 1996 at St James's what job title would Wise later have at Newcastle this is the question that nobody in the press room at the Etihad could answer Specific job title. Oh. You ask a Newcastle fan, you might get a different answer to the one that was actually listed. But I want his word perfect, <laughs> a man of Firefield's calibre. Has to be, yeah, 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 yeah. Has to be word perfect. He moves in these no, circles more, more than me as well, so this has to be right. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I've no idea. I mean, it's probably. Um, Technical Development and Recruitment Officer. That's an extraordinary guess. It's not right. But... <laughs> Sam, there's, a, there's an opportunity for you to, to win it here as Lucy uh... frantically types the tiebreaker into the game. Uh, <laughs> director of Football Operations. Close. He was the Executive Director of Football. Oh, Sam, you're bloody close there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ooh, okay. I think so we should just have an be... honourable draw, Sam. I don't, I don't. I don't think we need to go down this particular route. I mean, imagine oh, if you look. lose this tiebreaker, Sam. You'll be devastated all no, week. I'm, There'll be I'm, a barrage I'm, of WhatsApps. Nah. And delighted with Christian Atsu. That's enough. You've been hopping around <laughs> agitatedly throughout this entire podcast, <laughs> worrying about this one moment. Do you really I need? The, to... No, I went specifically to John Lewis to get a new batch of Nespresso's <laughs> yesterday, and I've <laughs> blown my head off. <laughs> right, we've got to do the tiebreaker because Lucy uh, just frantically came up with it and um, the, the look of relief when she'd finished it's typing. It's not was, early um, 1992, Darren Barnard or Jacob Kelberg, then she shouldn't be coming back. That's all we want. Okay, I like the question and I don't want a- any of those naughty answers. No, it's okay. sort of nearest wins. Oh, but no, don't, don't do this because it's only going one way, isn't it? How many league wins have Chelsea recorded against Newcastle, according to Soccer Base, from a total of 152 matches? Uh, Dom, you can go first. 152 matches? Yeah. I should have tossed a coin to decide who goes first, really, shouldn't I? Because it's a bit of an advantage. Go on. Never too late. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Well, well, I'm playing dirty, clearly. Like, if I go second. Here's the coin. Really? I thought, I thought we agreed we weren't going to play dirty. <laughs> We're not supposed to. You call it in the air, Sam. Oh, you won't be able to see on the Zoom, but it's in the air now. Tails. It is tails. I'm not sure if you can see oh, this. No, I'm to get it in front of the camera, but yeah, there you go. That's, tails. That's backfired. Okay. What, so you got to go first? What's the guess? Yeah. What's the guess then, Sam? Repeat the question. How many league wins have Chelsea recorded against Newcastle according to Soccer Base from a total of 152 games? There's no logic to it, really, is there? I'm thinking, were Newcastle better than Chelsea way back when? Uh, 
No idea. Maybe. <laughs> How many 120 it's, is it, Matt? 152. It's 52. nice that you both take it so seriously, but I am nine minutes from having to leave for the dentist, so All we right. could hurry it along a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but it's bit. root canal treatment. You don't want to get there, surely. <laughs> no. You can just hear the working out that's going on there, listener. You can't see the look of concentration. I'm watching the Tom's cricket. Tom's to look away from the screen because I think he gets psyched out by Sam when he does his mental math. Um, 67. 67. Uh, Dom, remember it's from 152 games. 66. Yeah, gone too high, and I. I hate that you won it this way, Dom, um, because Sam's guess was brilliant. It was uh, the actual number is 65. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, I'd like to apologise, but but in fairness, I was going to play normally, and then he told me he was going to go die. <laughs> Uh, well, you're the winner in name, but Sam, I think you take that one in spirit, if that's any comfort. Christian yeah. Atsu, mate. Fantastic. Well done, Dom. <laughs> well played, Sam. Well done. Just a pour cold water on it. Uh, you know, out of everyone that comes on the podcast, I'd, mu- I'd most like to go for a beer with Firefield any day of the week. So there you go. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> nice. total. <laughs> Doesn't say much about Liam and Toomey. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to go for a Moretti 0% with Dom. Above anyone else. <laughs> we'll arrange Top that. Top man, Sam. Love you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just going to about do it for today. Before we do, though, Dom, I'm going to ask you to plug. I noticed that you were part of this athletic writer's pool picking an England squad. I'm not saying you're a bitter eagle, but you appear to have admitted Conor Gallagher and included Mark Gurhey and Eberichi Eze. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what to say. I mean, yeah, that's that's exactly what I've done. Um, and and look, Eze's, Eze's a bit of fun. He's he's not he's clearly not going to be involved. But by the time this pod comes out, the England school will be known. But uh, I just love watching him play, and it's I love watching Conor Gallagher play. But I've still not forgiven them for Celeste Park and earlier this season, quite frankly. <laughs> um, well, Ashley Young was apparently on the long list, so presumably Eze was on that. And we'll see who's left standing after the weekend. Uh, where does this weekend take you in the wide world of football, Sam? I'm doing the EFL Highlights show on Saturday. Looking forward to that. Excellent. All right, well, we'll be back on Monday. Everybody's going to feature from the Straight Out of Cobham family on that pod because it's our last one before our World Cup break. Lucy's already looking forward to editing that, I'm sure. Uh, do join us for that if you can. From all of us here, though, for now, it is goodbye. The Athletic.